It's that time of the week again. You are about to participate in a great adventure. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop? What the hell do you think you're doing? It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris. Oh my God! As they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. As well as the music of today. Excuse me while I whip this out. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Who are those guys? Digital Kill the Radio Star starts. Come on, quit stalling! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David, and I'm here with my buddy Chris, and we have a fun episode uh, planned for you this week, uh, especially for all you metalheads. Uh, got to thinking the other day, we haven't done anything uh, that featured specifically hard rock or heavy metal in a while, and we know we have a lot of uh, people that listen to the podcast that uh, really enjoy those topics, so uh, I came up with a good one for us this week. I uh, do want to ask you to follow us on Twitter at Digital Kill, to like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram at Digital Kill, the Radio Star Podcast, and subscribe to us on any platform um, you so choose to uh, listen to uh, uh, podcast. So, uh, Chris, it's been a it's been a couple of weeks since I've talked to you. How are you doing? Oh man, I'm good. I'm good. You doing right? I am. Um, and if you if you do, by the way, if you hear um in the background, if, if anybody hears my my dog had surgery, so if she's panting or moaning, apologies. I can't be too mean and put her outside. So not in this weather <laughs> for sure. <laughs> she'll, she'll she'll be beside me. Um, Chris, um, we uh, like I said, we've we've kind of hasn't t- haven't talked about anything revolving around hard rock or heavy metal in a while. So uh, I think this is going to be a fun one, don't you? Yeah, well, I mean. Everybody should have picked up by now that um, we're not really we're not a hard rock or metal podcast. We're just a music podcast, um, you know. And I know sometimes it's like our connections with our our especially like our guests we have on today. That's what a lot of the people that we know. That's what they do. Um, but we do like that music, and we do like to go to it. So yeah, it's been a while. So let's talk about it. So our guest this week is. Uh Brian B.C. Chapman from the uh, Potter Than Hell podcast. If you remember, uh, those guys came on our podcast to do a Halloween Scary Songs episode, and we did a Metallica episode with them. And the first two Rockin' Pod Expos, um, we've hooked up with these guys and um, spent a lot of time with them, especially this last one, a lot of good fun times. So uh, I'm just going to throw it to our, our guy, B.C. B.C., how are you doing? Hey, guys. How you been? It's uh, great to be on here, finally. Well, you're gonna Talking you're gonna you're gonna, to be there. you're gonna be our our solo guest this week. Last time we had you, <laughs> you had you had the rest of the band with you. You're kind of breaking away and, and going solo. <laughs> yeah, every now and then I can do that, I guess, right? <laughs> and this is this is uh, I can't think of a more appropriate guy for uh, for a mega episode. I know you haven't really said the the name yet. But you'll get to that, but uh, dude, he has the ink to prove it. <laughs> yeah the first time the first time we met bc uh at the first rocking pod he, he showed us his arm it's on your arm isn't it the megadeth tattoo yes it, i got the uh or rest in peace uh album cover rattlehead uh, vic rattlehead and uh along with some other tattoos iron maiden i mean my bean bands are always on my arm so, like, like, if you haven't figured out, we're going to talk about Megadeth this week, and, and, <laughs> and sp- specifically each one of our top five songs. But before we do, BC, uh, kind of tell us, um, 
a little bit about how you became a fan and then you know kind of where they where they fall in your in your list of favorite bands obviously if you've got them tattooed they've got to be in your top two or three yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go all the way back to uh probably when uh, high school like early high school and uh i, I remember when they first came out people talked about them and i was kind of like eh, i don't know and then like as time went by i think uh in my darkest hour is the first thing i heard from them i was like hmm interesting and then uh, I kind of delved in from there, and I guess you could say the rest is history. It was all downhill after that. Chris, what about you? Well, you know, I, I we've talked about a lot on here that I I grew up on. I would say, you know, it was really my, through like middle school and all that. It was early, uh, late elementary, middle school. It was always hair bands and you know, Zeppelin stuff like that. That's the stuff that I listened to and. The um, the thrash bands and any of those type, I guess they seemed a, a little too heavy for me. And um, honestly, being this being some little kid, I guess they seemed like oh they're they're evil, whatever. I mean, I was just a dumb kid. I mean, we expect. But um, as I got a little bit older, I remember it was I was, I was still in middle school, but a buddy of mine bought um, Countdown to Extinction, and I was like. Yeah, this is actually really good. I didn't, I didn't expect that. Now, granted, it wasn't so much thrash, but still, that was the that was my first first one. Like when that came out, that was the first one that got me. I mean, I just went back to the back catalog, and yeah, I mean, I and I, and I, I just like the band because they're. I'm sure we'll get into. I mean, they're one of the bands that can actually still put out a good record, and a lot of bands, regardless of genre, when they've been around that long. Um, you're just going to be thoroughly disappointed every time you pick up a new record of theirs. Well, I remember, you know, reading about them in the magazines, but but never really hearing anything from them. Like when I was like ten or twelve years old, so that would have been about the time Peace Sales came out. And then I guess so far, so good, so what? Um, but I remember seeing the video. For, was it Sweating Bullets? Where he's like talking to himself in the mirror. Yeah. That yeah. and and um, and I liked that, and, and you know, and I liked some of the stuff off Countdown for Extinction. Extinction. And, but then um, just kind of honestly, you know, went to college and kind of quit listening, honestly, to metal for a long time. And I guess it was like five or six years ago that I really kind of started getting back into into metal. And uh, I've always been a big Metallica fan, but I forgot what just made me start listening to Megadeth. And I've listened to them a ton in the last five or six years. So kind of a, a newer thing for me. And, and I think that gives me kind of a fresh look on it. Like I don't have... Uh, you know, necessarily an affinity for Rust in Peace because I listened to it in high school, you know, or something like that, like a lot of people would. But uh, one of the big four um, of thrash and, um, you know, constant lineup change. The only thing that's for sure constant about him is Dave Mustaine. Dave Ellison, I think only, he only he was only off, what, two or three records, wasn't he? Um, two. PC? Two. Was it yeah, uh, to, the world needs a hero and um, world needs a hero and the one uh, right after that the uh, one with uh, kick the chair and uh, the scorpion um, the system has failed system has failed yes okay I want to say James Lomenzo was with them then yeah yeah they've That's had right. they've had a ton of of turnover you know the classic lineup that everybody likes to talk about is the one with Marty Friedman and uh, Nick Menza. And Rest think, in peace. Yeah. yeah, I think Menza died recently, but um, yeah, he did. And James Lomenzo, where BC mentioned that, that is correct. And you know, Lomenzo is actually that's the that's the white the, the uh, I'm sorry, the white line basis. So that's yes, kind of kind of odd. <laughs> you know, it's I'm, yeah, but he also played with the Black Label Society too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and uh, he was on that Pride and Glory record, which uh, is I don't know if we've ever talked about that. That's a that's a killer record. Well, is. Was Lomenzo, was he in White Line before he was in Megadeth? Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. He was, a, oh, he was yeah. an original guy. Huh. I'm, I'm, it's interesting that, that Mustaine took him in the band after kind of having that hair band. I, I, I agree with that. I agree. Uh, cause, and, well, cause, that was years later after the well, hair there uh, kind of died down, I think. Well, I've even read that he had a problem with Friedman because toward the end, Friedman would play a Stratocaster on stage. Um, so I just, I, I don't surprise me. I mean, you know, Stain was always the one that preached, you know, rock star one one <laughs> you know, he, he had the way that he wanted him to dress. Right. And have, he have, certainly did. And he did, certainly didn't want to dress in glam. Cause that's, he always, he said that was what gay LA metal. 
Right. Yeah. They caught it. <laughs> they were anti that. Well, have, have either one of you read his book? Yes. I, I have not. BC, I thought it was I thought it was a really, really good book. I read that actually right as I was starting to listen to Megadeth uh, a lot, and I, I thought it was very interesting. Oh, I got you. I love what uh, we live in a time now where all these people are putting out books. It's kind of interesting because what we thought growing up listening to these bands, how it was, was not how it was. So it's kind of a inside look at it. Yeah, I, w- I would put it up there as one of the better rock autobiographies that uh, – that i've read and you know and he's an interesting he's an interesting guy to say the least you you definitely know where you stand with him for sure <laughs> and i do need to read that book i've thought about buying it I, I, chris next time i'm up there i'll bring it to you um yeah. I, I do but i do i do need to check that out but but no i mean i've always like i've always dug the band um and you know like i said last record was that actually I mean, it's phenomenal. You talked about you always like Metallica and on. When it comes to Big Four, I think I know where BC stands as his number one. And, um, you know, I'd put these guys as number two. You know, they're, they're my, my second favorite of that, and my favorite being Slayer, which is probably not the most expected answer out of the guy that says he doesn't listen to as much metal as everybody else. <laughs> but, but I love Slayer. Says the guy that listens to The Cure, huh? Hey, man. <laughs> there, there's, there's a bunch of different flavors of ice cream. Right. Don't stick with just vanilla chocolate or strawberry. Get out there and experiment. Get the rocky road. <laughs> Get the rocky road there. <laughs> all right. So what we're going to do is uh, we've all exchanged our list, so we know what everybody is um, going to talk about, and we do have a significant number of overlapping songs, which is is perfectly fine. So what we're going to do is each one of us is going to talk about our our top five um, favorite um, Megadeth songs and and a little bit about each one. So. Uh, since we have a guest this week, uh, BC, it is only appropriate that you go first. Okay, uh, I'm going to start off with uh, Holy Wars, Punishment is Due, Punishment Due from uh, 1990's uh, Rust in Peace. Uh, to me, I mean, when I first heard it, I was like, damn. And this is when I was really f- fully in the Megadeth at this point by 1990. And because uh, it was different, like, I, like uh, Chris said. Before that, you're kind of like hair metal, just rock. And they usually saying about partying and girls and all that kind of stuff. And here's a band that's talking about, you know, religious conflicts, war, and p- politics, which is a whole different world back back then, for me, me at least. So that's what turned me on to uh, Megadeth in a way. But I, I would say one of my standbys is always Holy Wars, because uh and it's about a really religious conflict between Israel and Northern Ireland. And then uh, the Punishment Due part of Marvel comic book. Well, I was never into comic books, but it's a character, the Punisher. So that was pretty cool, too. Yeah, so, BC, I'm going to have to correct but, you. I'm going to have to correct sorry. you. Uh, it was, it's about, it's about <laughs> the uh, Protestants and the uh, Catholics in Northern Ireland. Um, and what happened? Hey man, what he's ha- got the Irish part right. Yeah, a break, yeah. Man. So, what happened was mistake. It talks about it in the book. He's playing a concert over there, and I, I don't know which side is which, but there's people in the parking lot selling T-shirts and taking up money for what's called the calls. And he either like gave them some money, and then I think maybe from the stage spoke about it. Well, obviously there were a lot of people in the audience that did not agree with the cause and so i I think i don't know if he started came close to starting a riot or it caused a real problem for him so he went back and like found out what they were arguing over yeah and it's about um 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 you know catholics and the protestants and he's like you all believe in the same god and you're fighting one another yeah and then you know he, he he does mention israel in that as well and then i've i've often heard him say that like it's really supposed to be two songs, you know, the Holy Wars and then the Punishment Due. But since they play together on the same track, I've just always considered them um, uh, the same one. song. And I, I had them, and I have them in my top, and I have them as my number one song. And Chris, you have them as what have it as well. Yeah, and it is. It, it's definitely. I look at it as one track for sure. And it's. Uh, I would put it as my. I'd probably put it as my number one Megadeth song too. And it's you know the one thing I would I would. First of all, I just love all the change-ups. I love – it's just – it's different. I mean, it's, it's almost uh, – I mean, it's almost like prog metal in a way. And 
I mean, the, the, the playing is just insane. And, you know, I, I think about when I first discovered, I don't know if you ever, if you see if any of you guys watch those, um, Oh God! What are they called? Those, those, those two black dudes that look at all the different videos. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, uh, Lost in Vegas. I remember that was one of the first uh, when I first discovered them. One of the first videos that they had, at least with heart, with metal, was was this song, and they were losing their mind over it. And they were like, <laughs> "Man, this is this is the greatest metal song of all time." And um, I love their excitement. I love the fact that it was two guys that know nothing about metal. And it just blew them away, and I think that kind of says something about this track. Well, the time the time changes on it are just it's just amazing, especially at the beginning, and mm-hmm. the it's mixed so well. The guitars have such a crunch to them, and um, it's you know a totally different song than what you were hearing at the time. Um, and that opening, that opening riff too, is so cool sounding. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you're a Megadeth fan and this isn't in your top five. Um, I mean, it's, I think it's their, I, I, I would say it's probably their most popular song. Wouldn't you guys? It's definitely, I would say top three. Popular yeah. Songs I mean, it'd Megadeth. be right up there. I mean, it'd be right up there. I mean, I think you'd probably have to, uh, to bring up uh, Symphony of Destruction because of the mainstream appeal. Right. All right, Chris. But it's up there. What is your, what is your number five song? Oh, are we actually going? And I, I, man, mine are not in order. Oh, we don't have to go in order. We just get what's your next one then? <laughs> yeah, because mine are not in order, in order at all. You know what? I want to stick with ones that I know that we're going to have. Um, so let's just go with uh, the next one that I think we all share, which is In My Darkest Hour, which oh, yeah. is off of an album with one of the greatest al- one of the greatest album titles of all time to me. So far, so good. So what? So um, love that title. Like the cover, and this song, um, you know, a little bit different when you think about it being an earlier record, and it gets a little bit more thrashy, but it's not a real heavy song. Um, kind of a slow build, but yeah, I mean, this is definitely this is this was easy for me. This is one of my easiest. You know, this and Holy Wars and one other were uh, easy top five that I didn't really have to think about. BC, yeah, I agree. yeah, you have First it. time I heard this on in my darkest hour. I mean, I, I like the way the acoustic guitar starts it off and then turns in and it just builds up, like Chris was saying, uh, kind of builds up slowly. But And again, back then, this music is so much different than what I was listening to before, like the changes and everything, which just drew me to this music more, I think. So I agree with you, Chris. If they were giving out Grammys in the '80s for album titles, the first three Megadeth albums would, would there wouldn't be a contest. Yeah, um, they, they are great. And you're right. It's, it's not just it's not just one album title. So this song he talks about it in um, the book was written the day that he found out that Cliff Burton had died, and I, I, I was trying to think about it today. I believe this is probably the first song that he wrote in Megadeth that was personal. That wasn't like through the eyes of a character or, or talking about something. This was, you know, something that was personal. And you're right, from probably the slowest song on those first three three records that I can, off the top of my head, that I can remember. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, that, and that, that's what makes it really stand out. I mean, like BC saying, I mean, he's even even got an acoustic. I mean, that's not very metal. <laughs> right. Not and, very big enough. And it's, you know, it's still uh, played all the time. Uh, one, of the, one of their more popular songs, and I think, you know, obviously it has a special meaning um, to Mustaine. But, uh, yeah, I had that uh, on my list as well. Um, let's see. I'll go the next. We'll go one on my list. Uh, a song off the last Action Hero soundtrack, "Angry Again," and yeah, th- yes. this song was actually they actually got a Grammy nomination for this, and I think it was their first Grammy nomination. I remember when I got that last Action Hero soundtrack, it really turned me on to a lot of a lot of music. That's uh, they had a song on there called uh, "What the Hell Have I" by Alice in Chains that just blew me away and made me an Alice in Chains fan. And you had. ACDC, uh, Big Gun, uh, on there, and then you had Megadeth, Angry Again. I think it's one of the more accessible songs that they have. They uh, they've included it um, 
in most of their tours and they've included it in, you know in their best their best of compilation so obviously they like it um the tempo is is a little more melodic than you know some of the earlier thrash stuff um but um one of the one one of the songs that really exposed me to them I agree yep. with you on that one. I, I, when this came out, like you said, it was more of a mainstream Megadeth sound, I guess you could say, compared to the earlier stuff. Yeah, it was but, reco- uh, it was recorded during the Countdown to Extinction sessions and just for whatever reason didn't make the cut. Which is very weird because to me that's one of my favorite. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great song. Chris, are you familiar with it? Oh yeah, and and this one got consideration for me. It didn't make like my final seven or eight when I was trying to break it down, but it was it was one that initially I went to it when I knew the songs that I wanted to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't have to do a whole lot of listening and go listen to every Megadeth song. I mean, I knew. I mean, we all had that. We all. I know we all had that happen. You know which ones that come to mind immediately, and this was one. And yeah, I, I think the song's great. I think it's definitely, like you said, it's more the, more the accessible. It's more when they were, I mean, let, let's face it. I mean, they were writing more for, I mean, I said they, Mustaine was writing more for success, you know, for a mainstream appeal. And um, it's been accomplished. And that's, that's one of the things I respect about him. He he admits I was trying to get the you know I was trying to get the number one hit he you know he said that with cryptic writings you know that was I wrote this trying to trying to get a number one record out of this and so um, it's not one of those things where you know he puts out a very accessible album and then everybody's like sell out he's like no I haven't sold out I mean he he admits I was trying to get I was trying to get that brass ring he he, he always wanted to be bigger than Metallica. Yeah, that too. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. I mean, I've, I've seen him say before. You know, he he always it always killed him that he didn't he he wanted to be number one, the number one band, and he wanted to be bigger. I mean, he, I've heard him say, I, I, "Yeah, I got to number two, and then you know, you kind of think, well, man, I don't know that you really did that, but but it, but still, there was always that drive to be better than them. And but the cool thing is when they did try to go with more of a mainstream appeal, I still. I still thought it was pretty good. I mean, they had one major stumble, and everybody knows what this is. What I'm talking about. <laughs> that <laughs> dreaded had, risk. Yeah, I mean, they had. I mean, they had theirs, but Metallica had like three of them in a row, at least in my yeah. opinion. Yes. Um, so they were. I mean, it's pretty. It's a pretty good catalog. So most of the times when they go a little bit more, try to get more accessible. It's not that bad. Not a bad thing. No, and even when they no, did, no. it's it still retained enough to that you knew it was Megadeth. Yeah. Yes. All right, BC. What is your next song? I'm gonna go with uh, 1986 is uh, off of Peace Sells, but who's buying would be the Conjuring, written by Dave Mustaine. And I guess back when he was writing the song, he's more into uh, like black magic, and he says like satanic rituals and some of the lyrics. Uh, supposedly contain instructions for hexes, which I don't know how true that is, but but this is just a song. As soon as it comes on, it it catches me and it just draws you in to me. This music is, is what gets me first. I don't know about you guys. When I hear, I want to hear the music, and then like lyrics come later on to me. It depends on the artist. And Megadeth is definitely going to fall into what you're talking about. It's that formula, you know, because it's the musicianship is just so out of this world. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think any of us listening to Megadeth, I mean, don't get me wrong, his stuff sounds cool, but we all know that he's not a technically gifted vocalist, you know, so no. you're not listening so you can hear, oh, wow, let me hear those pipes. You know, it's not about that. It's about the musicianship. Well, you know, he, but, he, he never set out to be the vocalist. It just kind of, he just kind of had to be. <laughs> Yeah, he's there up the guitar player, and then he just wanted to, when he first formed Metallica, Metallica when he left Metallica to form Megadeth, he just wanted to to be harder and heavier than Metallica ever was. Well, he still played this one live, because when you talk about the the uh, content, I mean, for anybody that's listening that's not aware, you know, Dave Mustaine is now Christian, and there's certain stuff he won't, I know that he won't play. No, they still. All right, so they. Sh- so all right, so in the book he goes into he goes into pretty 
he gets pretty extensive in the book about this. And I, honestly, I've never, I've never listened to the song because after reading the book, like I just, I never, I never have listened to it. So I really can't comment that much on it, but he, you know, like you said, he, he's a, he is a believer now. And he talks about when he was young, he was really into black magic. And he said, there's instructions in the song for putting spells on people and he said there was a guy that made him mad and he put the you know one of these hexes on him and the guy i don't know if it was that day or the next day like mangled his leg and uh he sa- has said that he would never play it ever again but they did play it like two or three times this past summer and for those that also don't know uh junior as dave mustaine calls him dave ellison the bass player uh, he is a Christian as well, and he's actually studying to become a Lutheran minister. And um, so I, I tried to find some research on why they decided to start playing it again, because Mustaine has said that he wouldn't play that, and he wouldn't play uh, Anarchy in the UK uh, again, so he didn't feel comfortable uh, doing that. Um, but they they did play it a couple of times this past summer in uh, in Europe, but I could not find any articles that say why, how he, why he had a change of mind on it. Well, it's a, and just for the music of the song, it's not, it doesn't rank near the top for me. I do think it's a cool song. It definitely it's that early Megadeth sound. It, it's, it has a little bit more of a raw sound. I do like it, but I, I do want to just touch on one thing with you, David, where you said that you never really listened to it. Is this something like, I mean, you just have a problem to where you can't get behind the lyrics? I mean, I, I'm I'm not a fan of, of like really dark stuff and like the, you know, any of the, like the black magic stuff or whatever. And, uh, you know, I read that book before I, you know, ever knew what the song was, and so I've just, I've just always chosen to kind of stay away from it. I'm like, if he doesn't feel comfortable playing it, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna kind of take a step back from it. Well, see, and I mean, I know that from what what y'all are both saying, there was, there was actual meaning behind it. He actually was believing that, so I guess it does make it a little bit different. But BC David and I have had this talk before. He says we can't really do Slayer because the lyrical content. And I, the way uh-huh. I've always explained it to him is I'm able to separate. And it's like, and that's fine that David has that opinion. But the way I tell him is like, I think that so many times, and I just wondered what your opinion of, of this is. So, so, many, so many times people, they have no problem with the most evil, crazy shit in a movie, <laughs> but, they have a, but they can't do the same with music. And it's like, where's the difference? Exactly. I mean, other than the visual part of it, but... Uh... I don't I, like I said. I got into Megadeth for the music, and then uh, as time went on, the lyrics I kind of delve into a little bit more. But any kind of music, uh, any kind of band or anything, to me, it's the music that gets me. Same here. I mean, for, mo- for the most part, it's uh, you. That's what initially catches you. Unless some of the singer songwriter stuff I'm listening to, where I just really love the voice. Yeah, that's different. But I mean. When it comes with to metal, yeah. With metal, it's it's to me, it's the music. Well, Chris, I agree. All right, so that was one off of Peace Sales. Who's buying? What is your What is your next song? We're going to return to Rust in Peace, and we're going one. We're just trying to knock out all the ones that I think everybody, <laughs> at least somebody, shares as a, as their choice. So I'm going to go with Hanger 18. Which, what more can you say than this is a guitar clinic? I mean, this was one <laughs> when we're talking about how we first got into Megadeth and all. I heard of this song before, way before I ever heard it, or probably ever heard a Megadeth song. I heard of Hangar 18 because any of the kids in the guitar, man, it was Hangar 18, Hangar 18, Hangar 18, and it is absolutely just one of the most killer shredding. I, I don't know who plays what on it. I, I don't know that. I probably could find that out. I imagine there's a lot of jeweling on that, but it. Back to what BC is talking about. Yes, this one is all about the music. Because it is (laughs) I agree. I mean, this came out, what, 1990? So that's almost 29 years ago this came out. I can remember when it was right about to come out, somebody got caught. You know how people had somehow bootleg copy of this and that back on cassette back in those days? And uh, I remember hearing a rough, rough version of this. I was like, damn. And then when it came out, and you actually heard the finished, say, product of it, it blew me away. So, yeah, this was this was one of the songs that 
that kind of I think helps set them up for a countdown to extinction. Um, the the video it, it was you know constantly on MTV. It's about the government. It's, I think it's about the government harboring an alien, isn't it? Um, BC. They were talking about uh, like UFO conspiracies, and it was the the lyrics were actually based off a 1980 film based on this theory. Uh, Nick Menza actually started to write it, and Dave finished it. And it's supposedly uh, the real Hangar 18 is uh, in Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. Hmm. We ought to take, a, uh, we ought to take a, a metal road trip up there and see if we can figure out what's going on. Right, go All right. Here for a metal band, Dayton, Ohio is not your <laughs> usual spot. <laughs> All right. All right, Chris, you're much more the guitar. Uh, you're the guitar player of the trio. I can play G, C, and D and on a good day, E. Loosely. Uh, um, all right. So... <laughs> One of the things that's always fascinating me about this song is some. I don't know who's doing the solos. I'm assuming. Well, I know Mustaine probably does about half overall, but the the soloing in the 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 I get. I don't know if you'd call it the feels or the little lead licks that that he's playing. They don't seem to progress like most metal or hard rock music does. If you know what I mean, like it's almost like they're, he's playing some type of like minor scale or something. Hmm. Let's see. On them, yeah, I know what you're saying, uh, and and I, I'm not that I'm not that technical, that's for sure. Um, and I know, sorry, man, the dog's really going right no, that's now. That's fine. Um, now I, I, I don't know. It's it, and I, I understand what you're saying too, and it's not. It doesn't have a uh, very. And also, it's, it's not the most just melodic. I mean, it's just it's just a, it's a shred fest. And uh, I don't mean to interrupt here, but. Uh, I have the, I guess you say the reissue of this, and then the lyric part of it for it, it says uh, it breaks it down like after the first uh, verse and there's a it says solo Freeman, it goes into second verse and there's like one two three four five six seven more solos, and it pretty much goes Freeman Freeman Mustaine Freeman Fre- Mustaine Free Mustaine, so they kind of go back and forth. And that's that's what it. What I like about the song is that's what it, it feels like. And I know you're saying there's some that are back to back, like say Freeman or whatever. But it, like it literally sounds like they're almost. You can. It sounds like total trade off one after another. It does it on, on the CD. Like the first three say Freeman, then after that it's back and forth. Must stay Freeman. You know. Yeah, that's cool. Oh yeah, that's a that's a great song. It, it was it was in my honorable mention. It could have very easily been in my um, been in my top five favorites. All right, so um, I guess it's my turn. I'm going to go with the lead song off Cryptid Writings called Trust. It's a song they used to open a lot of their shows on. Um, this one kind of has a more unique feel, I guess, than almost any Megadeth song. Um, very melodic. You have a lot of uh, Dave Ellison kind of singing in the background. Um, obviously, the band likes it because they, they play it on every tour and i think it was the lead single and i think there was the hope that this may be the one that really brought them kind of that number one record it didn't but uh cryptic writings is one of my favorite albums and this is probably my favorite song off that album and it still had good success i mean it didn't do nearly as well as as countdown to extinction and i mean even like when the and i mean he knows that now because even in the the, uh remaster the the liner notes of countdown extinction he refers to the countdown as his masterpiece but i guess he was trying to take it to the next level and i like this song i know this song was a pretty you know local radio here in memphis that song was you know constantly on radio so um it's a, it's definitely good it's definitely what we talked about where they're going with a little bit more of a uh, a commercialized sound but he also just said when they went commercial they didn't they still kept their sound yeah, you can you can pick her up and say boom, Megadeth. Yeah, I agree with Dan that. Uh, yeah, that, this was during their commercial phase, I, I would call it. Yeah, in my, in my opinion, yeah, yeah. Like three albums. They were kind of very, and like now, at least nowadays, to me, they came full circle back to their harder. Well, you know, cryptic writings. It has it has you know the melodic stuff like um, um, trust and. Uh, almost human or very melodic but then you know you have the heavy stuff like she wolf on it as well um which um is on there and on the reissue they recorded a spanish version of trust uh it's on the reissue it's one of the bonus tracks 
So I have enough. I have a hard enough time with English. I don't think I could sing in Spanish. <laughs> what about you, BC? Uh, I'm gonna stick the English there. <laughs> All right, BC. We're gonna wrap around to you. What's your What's your next song? I'm gonna go with the uh, off of 2000s uh, Capable Punishment. Uh, Grace, it was like a Grace Hits compilation. Uh, Kill the King, with, uh, written by Dave Mustaine. To me, I the drums just stand out in the song. Jimmy DeGrasso. To me, uh, he's a phenomenal drummer. I mean, he's been with he's been with a bunch of people from Alice Cooper to Y and T and a few other bands in between. But uh, when he came to Megadeth, uh, I was kind of I was excited because he could, he just he gave him drumming a different dimension. I thought so. This was on the first kind of greatest hits album, wasn't it? Uh Cause, yeah, because they came because there's another one, too. set the world on fire. Um, that they came that they came with. All right. So when was all right? So this is the one I, I had to go back and and find. When was this? Do you know when this was recorded? Like it was a, was it a B side and, and they just decided to throw it on a greatest hits album or or was it recorded specifically for the album? This and uh, another one were recorded for this album. Okay. Let, me, let me look this up real quick. Chris, were you familiar with it? I I'm with you. I wasn't and. Because I never had that greatest hits, and I, I, but I did like you. I went back and listened to it, and I gotta say, of the ones that are not on my list that people have, it's one of my favorite ones. Probably, I thought it was, I thought it was killer. Yeah, this is definitely killer. That's kind of bold. No pun intended. That's kind of bold <laughs> to uh, to put a song you know that's that good just kind of on a greatest hits album. I think. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a lot of times what people will do. You know, they put it and they got it. They've got to put something on it to try. I mean, they they're going to try to reach the people that want a greatest hits because they're not buying all their albums. But you got to give the real fans incentive to buy. That's true. And I think that's I think exactly. that's like uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance was uh, on Tom Petty's greatest hit. Yeah, you try. Yeah, it was, and you and there was another one on there that was a hit as well. And you've got, but you, that's what you do. You put one or two that you know. Social distortion, you know, when they put out, I mean, David, you said before that uh, um, far behind, far, far behind, amazing. Yeah, you said that that's one of your favorites, and it is a great song. So yeah, they they don't just put a throwaway track on there. Typically, they put something for incentive to buy. Yeah, this was uh, the, uh, this song and uh, Dread and the Future of Mind were both uh, recorded for this greatest hits. Well, and they they have a new greatest hits coming out. Have, have you guys seen the title of it? Yeah, I, I'm just. I was talking with Steve the other day uh, about ordering the vinyl. It's like four four records, and uh, I'm not a big greatest hits person for picking it up. But uh, I like the way the packaging is, and it looks pretty cool. Yeah, the cover cool. looks cool too. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. the vinyl's gonna be like a. They released the track listing yesterday. Actually, I'm a member of their yes. Cyber Army or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the, if if you're listening out there and haven't seen, it's called Warheads on Their Foreheads, and it's a uh, Vic uh, Rattlehead flying uh, like a like a plane, like a fighter jet on like a deck, and it's got a bunch of bombs on it. It's kind of a a, a cool cover. Yeah, they, we just talk about that for a second. They they put out some great album covers, especially those those you know peace sales and so far so good so what um uh, are just really good album covers and they seem to like really take that to heart you know making sure the visual presentation is up to snuff yeah even okay. down extinction doesn't have big rattlehead that's an amazing cover right you know it's got the the old man right yeah, yeah. and he yeah and he's, he's you know basically <laughs> levitating off the ground and screaming <laughs> up into the air yeah, and then of course you know euthanasia. That was kind of a controversial one, I think. Um, oh yeah, putting the babies on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, people take things too seriously. All right, Chris, what's uh, what's your next one? Since I mentioned Countdown to Extinction, comes off of that album, and it's the title track. Um, it's uh, it actually probably I considered, and I know it's a it's a their biggest hit, but I you know. When I was when I was thinking about them, I um, I thought about Symphony of Destruction. I mean, I definitely strongly considered it, but to me, this and I, I love Countdown to Extinction. But I mean, jeez, uh, I just forgot the name of the song. This this one is uh, this one's my favorite on the album, though. 
And, you know, it was one when I had about sit down to about seven or eight and I listened to them all again. And I just had to go with what I just felt like grabbed me the most. And I, I, it's hard to explain what it is because it's not like it's just some amazing opening riff. We're talking about the music. It's not like it's just the solos just set the world. But hey, here you go. Set the world afire. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just dig the tune. I think it's the drums that catch me on this album. I don't know if it's because of me, but... The skin of my teeth, that's awesome drumming. Right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a phenomenal album and, and countdown to extinction um the song um i agree with you chris i had it if I, it was in my top 10 for sure that and symphony um and uh you know david stain's an interesting fella because i mean you know now he he you know i think he has some uh, kind of a, a right-wing worldview but then at the same time He's a huge, you know, PETA person, and part of this is about, you know, canned, you know, canned hunts where, you know, the, I guess you're hunting deer or whatever, and you know, they don't, they don't have a, a you know, even a chance. Um, and I, I think that I think he, he, you can say for one thing about him, he's an independent thinker. Um, you know, normally you don't see a lot of PETA people necessarily, you know. Uh, you know, having the views on some things like he does, and then like he likes to point out, you know, he's like I, I covered the Democratic convention for, um, you know, for MTV famously back in the '90s, I think when Bill Clinton got elected. But uh, the protection of animals is is one of his, you know, one of his big, I guess you would say, you know, kind of pet things that uh, charities that that he's involved in. I think he's even gotten some like national awards from PETA. Huh. I didn't know that about him. Yeah, so yeah, he's a huge, you know, animal rights guy, and Chris is a big, obviously a big dog lover. So I just thought you'd find that kind of, kind of interesting. Yeah, um, and, and I, I do, and I'm not like so. I'm not really onto the PETA thing, but I'm real. I am definitely a big like an animal. I, I, there's some part of me that's animal rights on some certain things, and I'm you know I'm, I'm one of the, I'm one of these big <laughs> adopt don't shop guys. Um, you know, mm-hmm. donate to pet to. Uh, animal charities and all that so yeah i that i didn't know that about him so let's talk about that album uh, a few more minutes because um you know rust in peace you know depending on who you read most people think that's at, at the least a top five thrash album of all time and it 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 kind of helped solidify i guess their following and their base and i guess he saw the success that metallica had with the black album and he was like we've built this hardcore audience. Can I keep them and then go get more people and go more mainstream? I, I, I think, I, I, th- I think it is his, ma- I think this album is his masterpiece. Whereas like to me, rust in peace has four or five good songs. It has several that I just don't care for. Everything on countdown to the extinct extinction at the very least is listenable. Um, and it's not as top heavy as I think, as I think rust in peace is. I see the point. I mean, I see the point. I mean, I think more, it may be a little bit more, maybe, maybe it's more solid. Like the, like all the, all the songs are really good. And whereas rest in peace, maybe not, you don't fall in love with every single song. Rest in peace just has some of the best work of their career. Um, now one thing that I'd be curious about is I don't remember time wise. I remember these, these the albums were fairly close together. But I mean, like keeping up with the Black Album and all Metallica and all, but weren't they released fairly close together? Countdown to Extinction came out, I think, in '92. '92, yes. And uh, the Black Album came out in '91. Let's see, uh, pulling it up on Wikipedia. Because depending on the reason I bring this up, depending on the date when they're released, you know, if it's like early '91, late '92, okay, I get that. But you know, a band that that is going to release an album in 2020. They're writing it right now. Right. All right. So it was released July 14th of 92 and the black album. Um, let's see. I'm pulling that up. Um, let's see the black album. Of course it brings up Jay Z in print. Uh, Let's see here. I'll just search for Metallica. Yeah, I mean, you, you got a good point, Chris. Um, with um, um, 
with with what you're saying, you know, they're going to be recording it. Um, I, I you know, know, and when I say that, I, I know that they were competing with he or he was competing with Metallica all along. I know they were, and maybe he had some kind of inclination. He knew something because I mean, I, even though they may not have spoke, they they ran in the same circles. Maybe he knew Metallica was going in that direction. Maybe if mm-hmm. nothing else, he knew he had linked up with Bob Rock, right? Who, know, who at I'm the time sure was, he knew something. Yeah, you know, Bob Rock at the time was doing, um, you know, uh, Motley Crue, and all right, here we go, guys. It was released on August the 12th of 1991, so 11 months earlier. Hmm. Yeah. So it might it might have it might have been a bit of a factor. It might have been, but who knows? Yeah, but you make a good point. I mean, they they were still traveling in the same. They probably weren't talking to one another, but they're still traveling in the same circles. And I yeah. think Metallica spent a long time recording the Black Album. He did. So, all right. Uh, let's see. You, you did last, didn't you, Chris? Countdown to the station. I did. All right. So, uh, obviously, I had in my darkest hour, so I'm just going to skip forward to another one, one that none of us have, and that is The Threat is Real off the Dystopia album, which was the yeah. uh, the last album that they uh, just did, with their first one with Kiko on um, on guitar. Um this song drew me in immediately and um uh, just it's a it's a great lead off song it's uh it's much heavier than anything that was on super collider um the 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 lyrics to me are fascinating the beginning with kind of the middle eastern drone beforehand mm-hmm. and it really it showcases uh you know kiko's tone and, and what he brings to the band and I, I don't know if it has to do with his guitar tone or what but it seems like mustaine's voice is, is a little bit lower in register on this album as, as opposed to some of the the previous albums um i really like this album a lot um it's 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 probably in my top three albums of theirs and like chris said earlier uh, it's amazing that you have a band that helped start the genre and is still around 30 something years later and still putting out just really good, really good quality music. I agree. Uh, Dave, what do you think about the new Kiko? What do you think about him compared to Chris Broderick? Um, I like him a lot more. I was going to agree. I mean, when his style and everything, like you said, Dave Mustaine sounds a little bit lower. I, th- I just think his style fits their music more, and that's why they're getting. Chris was uh, a very technical player, I think. Right. Almost borderline too technical for like Megadeth. That's only my personal opinion. But or did did you like the album BC? I loved it. Yeah, that's why I'm excited for. it. Like I said, you're working on the next one now. So, Chris, what about well, you? I thought I thought it was yes. I, I think it was. A great, great album, and one of the better albums that any of, as we call the big four, have put out in a long time. Um, you know, that's really saying something. I mean, because Metallica just—I mean, we've we've talked about this before. They just don't really do it for me anymore. Um, no. And I felt that I feel like Slayer was still putting out, you know, stayed putting out good records, and then, you know, and I feel like the the last the last two Anthrax records have been really good. And so, but it's kind of cool that the, those bands are all starting to do really good music, and they're and part of what's making them do so well is it seems like they're returning to form. Um, and I guess that's mm-hmm. you know when they went when they kind of went astray, there wasn't a real interest in hard rock and metal. And I guess maybe they're trying their best to keep up with the times. And now, or it's it's more it's. It's not what it was, but it's definitely popular again. And it, I mean, there's definitely an interest in it. There's definitely interest in going to the, the shows. I mean, now it seems just about everybody's doing the cruise. I mean, if they had have done that in 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 '97, they'd have you know BC and about eight other people on the cruise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they're they're and doing now, um they're doing a Megadeth cruise this year. Absolutely, and so it's but there this album I thought was phenomenal, and I thought the opening track. What you're talking about, phenomenal, um, and it's and it's what BC was saying. It makes you excited for. All right, what's the next one going to sound like? What's the next one? Yeah, I, I read the other day where Mustaine or it was Mustaine or, or Ellison said that this one is going to be even heavier than Dystopia. So I love it. I love that. You know, D- Dave Mustaine made that. Yeah. I, I love that they're doing that. You know, just like we're, you know, just kind of like with Anthrax, they. They um, 
they always those early records that people love so much. A lot of times they were just really silly to me, and it's almost like they kept that they kept the John Bush edge and put Belladonna back. And now it's like they're making heavy music as they ever have. Mm-hmm. And they've said that the next record, I think, is supposed to be even heavier and darker. BC, what were your thoughts on the previous album, Super Collider? I, I didn't really like it all that much. Which one? Super Collider, you know, the one before. Um, oh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I liked it. Don't get me wrong, but I, I, I think, uh, I'm not bashing the guy, but Chris Broderick, he, he was, his guitar playing was a little, I don't know. I don't know how to pinpoint it and put it in words. Because yeah. once Geeko came out in this album, to me, it, it it was right where they should be right now. Yeah, he had he has he has amazing tone, um, and and I th- I think it just I think it really is elevated um, Mustaine's um, voice a lot. I think it fits it better than than Broderick. Um, yeah, I would have to agree with you. All right, BC, what's your last? Where, which one? How many do you have left? I don't know. I have marked off five already. I don't know how that happened. Oh, okay. Well, yes, <laughs> I, I did the that. Cro- the, cro- the crossover that everybody's had. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Maybe so we got Chris. You, I, I'm, I'm completely out because uh, I had uh, Holy uh, Wars as well. We so, got one more then. Yeah. All right. Go ahead and we tell everybody. And this would be the one that you know, if anybody might raise a brow, and I don't know how y'all feel about the song. I just there's something about it that I love, but um, off the system has failed, which I actually think is mm-hmm. a really good Megadeth album, by the way. So do most Megadeth really fans. Good. Yeah. It's a I think really it. good album. Do you like that? Very, one, yeah, I, I thought it was very underrated. I mean, yeah. it, it got it didn't get the greatest reviews. I don't know why, but I, I think it's very good. Yeah, really good record. And I just, for whatever reason, I just love the song, The Scorpion. And again, mm-hmm. as I'm going through Process of Elimination, which song they'll put on next, I feel, I almost felt like, okay, I need to go with, like, Set the World Afire and all that kind of stuff, because I love that song. And then I'm like, okay, step back. Are you going with what you think would be more acceptable and a cooler pick? Mm-hmm. Are you picking to what really you connect with more? And that's why I, I had to go with the Scorpion. There's, I, I think the chorus, this one, I will say this one, BC, where we keep talking about music. This one, it probably is a little bit more, not so much of just the music. I think because the, the songwriting and the chorus is what really hooks me in on this one. I, I was just going to say, I, I have to agree with you on that. Not too many times I go with the, the chorus and vocals over the music, but this song definitely, I noticed that pretty much few days ago when i started listening to him like well you know what it does have yeah. different different it's different for them it is and it's yes. not so much it's not, there's nothing impressive really about the music i mean it it's better than most bands out there anything they can do because they're just really skilled musicians but mm-hmm. there's nothing that that really stands out musically about it it's that it's that chorus that's the hook that's what gets you Mm-hmm. This is a song, Chris. I don't even remember when I kind of started getting in Megadeth five or six years ago. You sent me a text and like you need to go listen to the Scorpion, and um, I, I agree with all of you. I think it's a really good song, and I think it like it has a different tempo than the only thing I can think that tempo wise they've done that at times for a few bars anyway g- goes with it is sweating bullets, but um, definitely interesting. Um, interesting tempo and that album is a lot of the diehard megadeth fans really like that they think you know think it's probably one of their best post you know rust in peace albums mm-hmm. is this the it's, one that had blackmail the universe on it yeah i think that is okay think it sounds familiar i may be wrong bc but no <laughs> i got so much in my head right now uh i believe you're correct yeah. So, but and and this with this song too, I just think it's it's probably one of. I mean, it, Mustaine's voice sounds better than it usually does too. You know, especially again in that chorus. But what, anyway, BC wasn't this the first album he did after he had the whole thing with his arm being messed up? Mm, or was it I the believe. world needs a hero? Uh, his arm was messed up. It might have been the world when he's the hero. When I meant to see. Because he didn't think he's ever going to be able to play the guitar again. And yeah. In, in, in the book, he said basically he had a meeting with Ellison and he said, 
Megadeth is no more. I'm turning everything over to you. You you handle all the business of it. You handle, you know, everything. I'm kind of I'm kind of done. Um, and um, yeah. So yeah, because Elfson wasn't on this one, was he? No. Yeah. So he. So he was out of the band. All right. Well. Um, yeah, because Dave wrote wrote himself off. I remember that. Right. Yeah. He was like, I'm I'm done, um, which is. I'm I'm glad that wasn't the case. Um, BC Chris and I like to kind of um, um, rapid fire people sometimes with questions on here. Uh, <laughs> True, Chris, you know our kind of our standard five. Let's you, you think we can hit BC up on Megadeth on those? Well, I mean, we can do the easy ones. I mean, we can just yeah. start off with you know what is your favorite Megadeth record? What is my favorite? Uh, I'm gonna go with Rest in Peace. All right, what's your as fav- far as my favorite classic, Megadeth. How's that? What's your favorite Megadeth song? Again, trying to narrow it down to just one or two. Uh, probably Hannah 18. I'm going to say that. No uh, matter how many times you hear it over and over. And... What about favorite guitarist, Megadeth guitarist? That's a tough one. <laughs> that is a I tough could, one. Because I don't know that I have an answer. Uh, well, there's been so so many to choose from. So many to choose from. From the beginning, I, I, so far, Marty Freeman. But like I said, I want to after this next album, that might change. All right, and BC, one last one. What is your favorite overall lineup? Hmm. As it stands now, probably the Rust in Peace one. I think, I think those would a, be the those would be probably the most common private Nick Men, yeah. Nick Menza, he, he was just a beast on the drums, and uh, to me that was that was a lineup. BC, well, a lot of times too, lineup wise, you go with the because of the albums that you like the most. And when you think that, I mean, think about Marty Friedman and I mean, and Nick Menza, you know, Rust in Peace, Countdown to Extinction. I mean, just phenomenal phenomenal uh just records that they put out um anyway well um yeah most people are going to say that lineup but i'm kind of with bc if this next album continues to progress like the last one um this uh this new lineup with kiko and (laughs) i know they've got another drummer because chris added on on the 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 last one one. Um, this guy is uh, i forget where he's from but He's he's different in his own. His drumming style is very different, I think. Yeah. So I'm. It'd be interesting to see how it comes out. BC, why don't you uh, kind of fill us in on what you guys have going on with your podcast, Potter Than Hell? Uh, uh, Potter Than Hell, no, me, Steve, BB, and Dylan. Uh, we've been uh, recording a bunch of different episodes, and we come up with a probably a good list now of the next probably ten episodes you want to do. For 2019, so we're gonna, we're going to keep it under wraps there until we release them. But uh, check us out. I mean, uh, if you like not only hard rock, but we listen to some other rock, and we have Dylan, which brings us into, as me and BB always says, he brings us to the the newer music, to the newer <laughs> mean, hard rock. You mean music. any? You mean anything post 85? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always say he always brings a new a new. Uh, look into it and we always episode every every episode we do we always look at me be like hey dylan has a point there you know what i mean and he makes you look into something that you wouldn't wouldn't look at before well i know he listed his musical highlight i think of the year was going to that alkaline trio concert with chris oh he, he seriously he was so thrilled and, and we were thrilled for him because i said hey uh, we might not i mean not, i never really listened to him and not i really don't know enough about them say anything but I mean, that'd be like me, like, hey, somebody, hey, you want to check out? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> and have an opportunity to go see it. And he, he didn't know that was going to happen. And that made it that much more, to me, I think, special for him and just more enjoyable. It was a surprise, bam, spontaneous. And him and Chris hit it off good and had a good conversation on top of it. Yeah, so, that, yeah would be, that, that, that would be a cool thing to be in a city and you don't even, for something else, and you don't even know that a band you love is playing. Yeah, like, that's playing during that night. Yeah. Yeah, because they're not, like, I mean, they're not, and they don't, they don't tour a whole lot. They don't play a lot. And so, you know, it's, 
and I know y'all, I mean, I don't know how far it is for y'all to drive to a show, but, you know, I don't know how, uh, how often that comes around. So, I mean, and they've, in my time, they've never played in Memphis, ever. Uh-huh. Dylan said that he thought he would never see them live. I was just going to say that. He, he always said, I never thought I'd get to see these guys live, and here I am for, like, the, you know, rock and pod, and bam. He, he never saw it coming. He was he was blown away. <laughs> well, also, we want to thank, Chris and I both want to uh, publicly thank uh, BC, you and Steve and the guys for sending us uh, a little care package in the mail this week uh, with uh, stickers and T-shirt, and uh, we really appreciate that. Yeah, hey, that we're, cool. we're, thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, Steve there, he's branching out and coming up with all cool ideas here. And Hey, like you said, you got to get your, your name out there no matter no matter what way you do it. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. We're going to get some representation in Memphis, Tennessee. I will, I will <laughs> pr- proudly wear that shirt. Chris, uh, I think I'm going to wear it to the KISS concert we're going to. Nice. And, uh, well, I should wear mine, too. Yeah, we'll get a get. Yeah, we'll be we'll be Twinkies. Um, BC, uh, many thanks for coming on and doing this. Um, you did it. You did thank a, you guys for having me on. You did a great job. You're our uh, you're our Megadeth representative. <laughs> oh God! All right. Hey, every, anytime I can help you out. All right, everybody. Uh, Want to thank BC again from the Potter Than Hell podcast. Go find those guys and listen to them. Uh, they're always great. Uh, Chris and I hope we'll be back with you in a week or so with another episode. Thank you all for listening and take care and have a good week.